like small screen. Like I like very clear HD things. Like I like games when you tap it and you swipe or something. Touch screen things. <laughs> Touch screen devices. Hi everyone, well we've come to the end of another wonderful CMC. You may have seen George at the poet Mapanga over the last few days, sitting in sessions, taking notes and observing all of you. Now we're delighted to welcome a young man who we're sure you'll be hearing a lot more of in the future. Born on a council estate in Halston, he attended Queen Elizabeth Boys Grammar School in Barnet and from there went to King's College Cambridge to study politics, psychology and sociology. He started rapping at the age of 15 and it was in Cambridge that he then adapted his rap to spoken word, writing more socially conscious poetry. And whilst at Cambridge, he won a social enterprise grant run by Barclays and Channel 4 and used it to set up poetry workshops for underprivileged children. His debut AP, his debut EP, EP, his debut EP, The Chicken and the Egg, earned George a string of nominations, including the Brits Critics' Choice Award, MTV Brand New Award, and the BBC Sound of 2015 shortlist. George has written and performed poetry pieces for various commercial and corporate projects, such as the Rugby World Cup 2015 Open Ceremony and the Monaco Grand Prix 2014 as well as publicity initiatives, including the Ethical Decision-Making Initiative, FHPC, and the 2015 NHS Organ Donor Drive. George is an ambassador for Barclays Life Skills, Sente Bale, Prince Harry's Charity, and National Literacy Trust. He also sits on the BBC Diversity Panel and is a patron for Prism Radio. All that, and still so young, how you find time to do it, well, I have no idea. We are incredibly lucky to get him at this early stage in his career to wrap up and give, his, give us his observations of CMC 2016. To give us literally the last word, please welcome George the Poet. Thank you all very much. Thanks to you for that very kind introduction. Um, this has been a, an amazing experience for me. Um, I'm 25 years old. Childhood wasn't that long ago. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but um, it is the resounding passion of my life. I was six years old when my, when my younger brother was born. I've got five siblings. Um, I'm the second. Uh, but when my younger brother was born was when my big brother and I were really given a lot of responsibility over him. There was one more to follow. I'll talk about that a little more um, in, uh, in the presentation to come. But the work that you do is of uh, profound importance uh, and I can't thank you enough for dedicating this time to just take a breather and really think about it. And I'm going to try to explain to you why it's so important to me. Um, <clears throat> While at Cambridge, I studied uh, sociology and I came across a particular theorist. This guy's name was Pierre Bourdieu. Bourdieu said, all reality is a construct. We exist in relation to our social ties. That means you'll never understand me without looking at where I'm from and some of the local guys. I'm the exception to the rule. 
literally the only one in year six who gets into a school that at the time isn't already under a warning since Ofsted declared it was underperforming. So you can imagine the wonder and awe when little George's post finally comes in the morning. They're screaming and shouting and thunderous bawling at my letter of acceptance from the school. I'm the exception to the rule. The problem is that's not what I wanted. It's not like I felt scared to be there, but it was far from home in more ways than one. And all my friends were elsewhere to be fair. That was my first real lesson and opportunity. Save yourself or get left in a lost community. Even though I saw myself in my friends, if I stayed there, I couldn't be much help for my ends. You see, all reality is a construct. We exist in relation to other guys and girls. And I had to move to a better reality from one where everyone tries and fails. I can't say I live to regret the decision, given that so many of them are now dead and in prison after growing up too fast from a young age, having to supplement their mum's wage, leaving school early to make easy money because in their eyes education doesn't amount to much, getting into trouble, coming out of trouble, but the world's moved on. Now they're out of touch. Just as serious as everyone else, without as much experience as everyone else. And anyway, what sort of vocation is eager for people that report to probation? In a job market hampered by fear, aggression, and a severe recession, the absolute dream is a clear profession with even the slightest prospect of career progression. So here's the question. Who deserves a job? A benefits recipient labeled a worthless slob, or worse, a yob. Society treats the hard to reach like a single subversive mob. But everyone brings something to the table. It's no point sticking them in a flat and giving them cable when there's work to be done and they're ready, willing and able. Imagine watching your life being sucked away, then waking up to a structured day. Coming home to a structured night, building your life like a construction site. You see, all reality is a construct. We exist in relation to our social ties. So no matter what you see around you, the real world happens when you close your eyes. You don't have to be a burden. You don't have to compromise yourself for your salary. You shouldn't have to jeopardize your health or your sanity. You have the right to be a blessing, find purpose in service, be a help for your family. If we forget how outcast the voice of an outcast is, they'll never be heard. Every word is a noise without answers. You see, the fact is there are no choices without chances. So in practice, choice is about chances. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. So um, I'm going to be referring to my notes. I've been making notes the whole time I've been here. I've been thinking about all the different um, uh, uh, interconnections between the isolated presentations that I've seen. And um, yeah, there's just a few points that I think um, I'd, I'd really like you guys to leave and think about from the perspective of um, myself as a minority and someone who 
is always in the company of kids for whatever reason. My house is a madhouse. We've got all sorts of nephews and random relatives that I didn't, you know, I can't quite identify. <laughs> but that's fine, that's fine. Um, that, that, that poem was called um, Construction. And I really want us to think about the construct of our differences. Um, to echo uh, <clears throat> Jess Tom of um, Tourette's Hero, who, who, who gave um, one of the inaugural, I don't know if inaugural is the right word, but the first keynote speeches. We'll stay away from fancy language from now. Um, <laughs> and she, uh, she said that her disability isn't so much a physical disability. It is a result of the social and attitudinal barriers presented to her because of how we, um, able-bodied individuals might perceive her um, situation as someone in a wheelchair dealing with Tourette's. And I would, I would, I would, I would invite you to think of all sorts of differences in, this, in, in, in the same way. Um, it really makes me think of my um, experiences on the estate growing up, uh, because as I, as, as I soon realized, um, a lot of people had fallen into a particular cycle, which I began to process as a form of mental illness, a form of mental entrapment. And it wasn't until I was still pretty much a child when this realization dawned on me. I said I was about 12 years old. And one day I thought to myself, the criminal justice system shouldn't be a feature of my social life. But I learned from observation, if you don't mentally prepare for it over time, you won't survive. How many people do you think know somebody in this whole, in this, in this whole country incarcerated currently? Working for a company for less than no currency. I can Google it now, come and see. In fact, a bigger observation is, what size do you think the prison population is? Within this whole nation of 70 million people, how many have we decided will never be really equal? No, for real. Half a mil? Three quarters, one million, even larger still? I know this little kid who's got a heart of steel because the system's got his brothers and father still. And he, he's cut off emotions that are hard to deal with. And obviously, in the long term, that's harmful. But that's just one example from a random sample. There's kids that won't laugh or won't ever be silly. And it's only because they've had to become hella resilient. So I'm asking you again, how many prisoners do you think we've got in this country of 70 million? Shall I tell you? 85,930. That's less than Wembley's population. It couldn't even fill up the stadium. That's one in every 8,000, King. Compare that with the number of people that you know, both in and out the Bing. This ain't no promoting an album thing. I don't know about you, but I, personally, I've had more than a few friends in prison. So I make a lot of messages directed at young people, but it's only when they're locked up these youth tend to listen. Before that, they think they're cooler than leather jackets until they realize their friends will never back it. But before we get melodramatic, let's check the demographics. We have the highest rate of child imprisonment in Western Europe. Something isn't working at the moment. Out of the kids locked up, 50% have had time in care or social services involvement. 
31% have a problem with mental health. The kind that can make you kick off and resent yourself. The kind that affects how you often present yourself like. A lot of them suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. I forgot the percent as well. It's got to be 10 or 12. And pain comes out in ways other than aggression. Like 20% of prisoners suffer from depression. It's funny because everyone loves a prison movie, but, but for prison reform, there's not enough of an obsession. I'm sick of it. 50% of all prisoners are illiterate. You don't think that's weird, like not even a little bit. We locked them in a box for being too difficult, but 88% were excluded from school. So what are we saying about the kids in that cycle? Like when you look at the stats, who does it fool? This isn't about making excuses at all. I just feel like, what's the use of it all? Because even when they're free again, most releases re-offend. So why don't we attempt to preempt it if we see it then? I'm telling you, the criminal justice system shouldn't be a feature of my social life. But when you're close to guys that chose the life, you get too cold to cry. You just close your eyes. And that's why I'm really thankful for you for listening to this poem, even if you aren't relating. Because the first step forward is to understand more before you go running your mouth and start debating. If you're asking yourself, how can we support? The first thing I'd say is, read a Howard League report. You can download one at howardleague.org. It can help you understand it all in a new way. Plus, prisonreformtrust.org.uk. Just make sure you inform what you say, because it's not hard to tell it's going wrong here. So please help me understand what the hell is going on here. Thank you. Thank you. So as Sue mentioned in, in the introduction, um, in my early years, I was a rapper. And um, rap was kind of my way, my way in for discussing and exploring a lot of these things. Because um, I suppose you get to a stage where you're just, just coming out of secondary, uh, sorry, coming out of primary school, entering secondary school. And as a young man in that kind of environment, you look at the media and you suddenly realize not a lot of it speaks to your reality. Rap was my way in to start discussing these things, but I became frustrated with a lot of the things prevalent in rap music. And I wanted someone to speak to the reality of our situation in a constructive way, something that left me with a bit of information. So the poem that I just performed is, is called Something Isn't Working. And that was my response. Subconsciously, that was my response to the situation. Realizing that, unfortunately, there's not, every, not a lot of what we perceive in the media or access around us can speak to what we're going through. So um, I started writing on it myself in a way that a young person could access and hopefully use as a resource, the same kind of resources that we're encouraged to absorb um, in, our, in our school careers. And in a, in a lot of ways, it, uh, it, it relates to a lot of different forms of uh, diversity and representation um, that, I, uh, that I had the privilege of listening in on um, throughout this conference. There's a lot of talk about the lack of uh, representation for people struggling with disabilities, or not even struggling with disabilities, living with disabilities. Um, and the kind of discourse around them often being presented in a victimized fashion or not really being represented at all. Uh, one of the change makers, Kara, um, had started up a business uh, with her brother, an actor who has Down syndrome, um, specifically with the aim of uh, writing roles 
with characters that have disabilities, presenting them in a, in a heroic fashion, which mirrors the work of um, someone else who I was really inspired by, uh, Rebecca Atkinson, of um, uh, a journalist who really champions the, the movement Toy Like Me, which manufactures uh, uh, um, toys that reflect, that present um, uh, characters with disabilities in, in, in a positive light. Uh, and the more I thought about um, the construction of our differences and the challenges that, we, that, that we're presented with, the more I thought the biggest tragedy about this is uh, that talent is missed in this whole equation. It really occurred to me that the more we talk about the challenges of representing these differences, the more we forget that as um, Daniel Bayes of, I think, Lightning Strike Media, Let's bright. Thank you. Daniel Bay said, um, there's actually a wealth of uh, content in the minority experience. See, personally, I was never great in school. My grades were cool, but I couldn't understand whoever made the rules. Luckily, I found other stimulation. That other stimulation would become a simulation of the learning process. I'd start to write rhymes, and I'd find it fed my heart and my mind. This turned out to be an amazing move. I calmed down and my grades improved. See, essentially, I was still the same dude, but I'd finally got my fill of brain food. 10 years on, this is my career path. I didn't know this would happen when I start to rhyme. But unlike so much talent in the world, I was given a second chance to shine. You see, talent is business is business. It's top of every business's wish list for Christmas. And as with any Christmas tree, the gifts beneath are a mystery. We have millions of gifts to unwrap. Individuals, none of whom have the same ability. But their talent is a renewable resource. So let's use it in the spirit of sustainability. See, this is a story about relationships, and I tend to really like this story a lot. I also think of it as a story of the future, making new use of what we've already got. I was never great in school. My grades were cool, but I, I didn't get whoever made the rules. The whole thing was so inflexible, I often felt like we were getting played for fools. But that very experience is the reason I wrote this. Who would have known this would be a nice fit? You see, talent doesn't die, it just goes unnoticed. But potential doesn't exist until you realise it. Thank you. So I'm really passionate about us re-understanding and re-imagining some of the, uh, the, the, the people that present themselves to us from a perspective of difference. But it really occurs to me at the same time, that's what it's all about, perspective. Everyone comes to the table with a, a pre-informed or a pre-existing experience, and that kind of influences how you deal with um, difference. And I suppose it occurred to me that a lot of us don't necessarily know what to say or how to engage these, um, these different forms, but 
the reality is that there will be no progress. We won't be in a position to grow together if we're not able to keep an open dialogue. Um, and one day when I was just going over all of that, it, it, it occurred to me, it just got me thinking that the more, the more honest we are, the more open we are about our experiences, the more we can actually contribute to the kind of book of knowledge, the record of our existence. You see, knowledge is a, a journal of insight. Knowledge is a record of discovery. You may have had no knowledge of me prior to this moment, but I existed before you discovered me. Knowledge is information on which we step to get higher. But what about that which we have yet to acquire? The bits you forget, the bits you neglect. Imagine all the knowledge that slips through the net. Pearls of wisdom that haven't been given that polish. Understanding you can't access at college. Simply because it hasn't been accredited according to academia. It's not knowledge until it's acknowledged. <laughs> I believe we have a duty to act on it to analyze life and to extricate fact from it. See, when we take from the world, we don't have to subtract from it. Using what we extract from it, we can impact on it because all existence is contribution. Let's ignore the twists and convolution. There's seven billion people in the world and there's only one you. Everyone brings something to the table, but not everyone gets a seat. And when people don't get a seat, then people don't get to eat. But that's only half of the tragedy. The other half is equally sad to see. Remember that knowledge I was talking about, the one protected by illusion? Well, those same people are walking about with an uncollected contribution. Hidden wisdom, untapped potential, unlocked ability, unsung possibility. We live in a world that celebrates our young for being more professional than clever. And as a result, we miss out on a lot of knowledge at a time when it's more accessible than ever. Time and place have passed the physical stage. We now live in the digital age, and we have much more to contribute than unfulfilling jobs for minimal wage. We want self-determination. Through self-determination, we can help to serve the nation. It's not just about success, it's about discovery. Growth means more than economic recovery. Growth means more than earning some paper. Growth is exploring, learning from failure. How long this will take is hard to say, but everyone's got a part to play. All I ask is you allow yourself to be bothered every morning when you start the day. In your approach to recruitment, involvement of students, challenge your thought process to support progress. Four summers ago, we turned to the games for proper unity. Now let's go for gold in the race for opportunity. Because after the ceremonies, the fire and celebration, we still need to inspire a generation. So let's make it happen. My name is George the Poet. This is Gavin. You guys have been wonderful. Thank you very much. Have a lovely evening.